If you have a Bible, Acts 27, Acts chapter 27, I want to welcome you too if you're visiting with us for the first time. It just means so much that you would come out to this crazy place and uh, navigate this interesting parking situation we have going on. And uh, we're so grateful for you. Hey, just to let you know, um, maybe you don't know this, but if you'd like to, Zach's Furniture has been really gracious to us. They, they actually allow us to park cars in their parking lot. So I actually timed it. It's a faster walk from Zach's than from the last overflow. And it's not uphill. Just, just throwing that out there. And you don't have to put up with all this mess when you're trying to get out. But anyhow, sometimes it just doesn't feel right not parking in the church parking lot. Just like, am I even saved if I'm not in the parking lot? Does this even work? Yeah, you can park anywhere. It's fine. Acts 27 and uh, I'm going to read a few verses this morning. This is, uh, this, this chapter should be a movie. Uh, this chapter about a storm that Paul goes through, this uh, shipwreck, is, is an incredible story. In Acts 27, Paul, he's been arrested, and they're trying to get him and these other prisoners to Rome, but they start to encounter uh, storms, high winds on the seas. And because of the high winds, it delays them. And because of the delay, they start to make some bad decisions. Have you ever, have you ever made bad decisions because you felt like things weren't moving as fast as you thought? They should, man, I'm so thankful I go to an honest church. You can feel it. Oh my God. Let me tell you about this morning. <laughs> Let me tell you about what I did in the parking lot before. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. So they start to make some bad decisions, and they find themselves in a, in a situation that's very scary, very dangerous. And uh, I'm going to jump into this story in verse 27. This is what the Bible says, Acts 27, 27. says, On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea when about midnight the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. Short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that they would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Some things that you're hanging on to, they're hurting you and not helping you. Yeah, it's not even in my sermon. That's I just am kind of stuck there thinking about some of the things I need to cut out of my life and let them drift away. <laughs> Oh, man. Verse 33. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you, take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of all of them. Then he broke it and he began to eat. 
They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they had decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they let them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow struck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. And the soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion warned to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. Then the rest were on their planks or on other pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. My dad would love this movie because it has a good ending. Anybody hate movies with bad endings? Me too. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would speak to us. Thank you for this set aside, ordained, appointed time that we have with you here on this Sunday morning. We give you glory and honor and praise that we didn't show up to an empty room. And by that, I don't mean that there were other people here when we got here, but we thank you that when we showed up, your presence was ready and willing and able to meet us here. So we thank you that your presence is here. We give you glory for that. Thank you for your word that's gonna transform us and change us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. I was listening to a friend. He was doing an Instagram live this week, and he was talking to another person. And during this conversation, this person that he was talking to said something that I had not thought about over the past two years. He said, he said, you know that America and even the world has actually been through five storms in the last two years. Five major catastrophic things that could, any one of them, could actually destroy nations. He said the first thing that we started to go through back in 2020 was a global pandemic or global sickness. The second thing that we went through was we went through social unrest The third thing that we went through was a storm of racial tension and recognition of injustice around the world. The fourth storm was the storm of economic insecurity. And the fifth storm was political instability. And all of those storms in themselves, any one of them could actually bring a nation, bring a people, bring the church to its knees. And we have gone through five of them. I came here to tell somebody you're doing a whole lot better than you think you are right now. You have gone through five major storms and you still found a way, whether you're watching online or you crawled into the building this morning, you still found a way to be in your right mind enough to get to the house of God. You are still here. I wonder if there's anybody who can just take a minute and say, you know what? I probably am doing better than I think I am.
You believe that? We've been through all of that and we are still here. A storm is an interesting thing when you read about it in scripture. Anytime a storm comes, you recognize that a storm is something that the enemy uses. The enemy cannot send storms. The devil doesn't have control of the wind and the waves. Come on, man. He doesn't. He doesn't have control of that. The devil cannot put cancer in your body. But the devil will use the things that happen to us in life to cause us to react emotionally. Destroying ourselves before the storm even gets a chance to. <laughs> oh my goodness. See, what we're starting to realize is my reaction to what is happening around me actually determines the quality of my life a whole lot more than the things that are happening around me. And what the enemy does is he uses a storm. A storm is a temporary season of pain. I had a friend describe it to me this way. He said, Robbie, when I read through scripture, it looks like this to me. It looks like a storm is a temporary season of pain or adversity that the enemy uses to get us to react emotionally, destroying ourselves because he knows the storm can't. I was, uh, it was probably, it's, it's, it's been 11 years ago now. My, my youngest son is 10, Oliver. And we were living in gray at the time. And this storm started to come through gray. I don't know if you remember this, but in gray, this, these straight line winds ripped the roofs off of people's house. We thought a tornado was coming through our neighborhood. And after this storm was over, we went around and roofs were gone and garages were collapsed. It was the craziest thing I had ever seen. But when we started to realize that something bad is happening, I just remember everybody in the house just kind of like running around like not knowing what to do and we're like okay I, I guess we should go to the garage like the glass is starting to crack on one side of our house and so I'm like everybody to or not to the garage to the basement garage that'd be a terrible place everybody to the nobody corrected me on that by the way like Robbie don't go to the garage <laughs> too late <laughs> I survived I'm just kidding no, we went to the basement and we got into the corner of the basement and we realized like not everybody was with us. Aaliyah uh, was not with us and I knew she was in the house somewhere. So I run upstairs and I'm screaming her name all throughout the house and I, I can't, I cannot find her. And then finally I go into my bedroom and I, I look under my bed and she's hiding up under my bed. And I started to realize that after talking to her for a little bit, I started to realize that that my panic actually created a panic in her that wasn't there until I started to run around like I didn't know what was happening. See, in East Tennessee, we're not used to tornadoes coming through, so we don't have any sort of plans. It's not something that we really prep for. You know what I mean? So when it happened, I'm just like running around like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Where is everybody? And, and Aaliyah starts to panic and my panic makes her panic. And she jumps up under the bed 
and we all run downstairs. What's amazing about a storm is the storm will make you do something that just regular life doesn't normally make you do. A storm will make you rush, and in your rush, you can cause more damage to your life than the actual storm itself. Because here's the thing I found out about the devil. If the devil can't stop you, he'll push you. (laughs) And if he can't stop you with doing the wrong things, he will push you to doing too many of the right things, good things. He'll get you so busy, so rushed start to mess with your mind and you'll feel like you're behind. You'll start to say things like, man, I missed my opportunity and I don't know if things can change in my life and maybe I'm moving too slow and man, I really need to go faster and look how far ahead everybody else is in life. But when God called you, he factored in (laughs) all of the delays All of the dysfunction, all of your issues, all of your mistakes, all of your shortcomings. So I, I, my confidence this morning isn't how fast can I do the will of God? My confidence is in God doing his will and working his will through me in his appointed time so that I don't rush and make mistakes in my haste that will hurt me more than my storms. In 1 Kings chapter 17, there's a cool story of a prophet named Elijah. And he has just prophesied to King Ahab. He says to the king, he says, hey, um, there's going to be three years of drought. It's not going to rain for three years. This is his moment. He walks up into the king's palace and he's like, hey, the Lord said to me, no rain for three years. Can you imagine? Like you're a prophet. Your whole design and purpose for living is to declare the word of the Lord. And you not only get to declare the word of the Lord. Now you have declared the word of the Lord to the man in the highest position of power in the nation. This is that moment in our lives where we think our, our, our life is about to take off. Right. This is that moment. Like this is when they this is when we 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 made it on, you know, past the audition phase. We got our golden ticket on American Idol. You know, this is that moment when everything in our life is about to change. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? You watch all of these people on these on these singing shows and and only one person wins. But every one of them thinks that this thing is going to change their lives. And it usually doesn't even change the life of the person who wins it. Where is Ruben Stuttered? Where is that man? Where did that beautiful voice go? And I think sometimes in life we can think, man, if we hit this moment, then everything in our lives is about to just like, it's going to take off. I get that new job and it's like, okay, this is the moment. We finally get married and we're like, okay, this is the moment. Oh, we finally get that car we dreamed of. Oh man, this, we finally get that house. And we, we start to realize that, that that moment was just a moment. It wasn't the moment. <laughs> and for Elijah, he finds out after he prophesies to Ahab and he's like, oh, this is my moment. God says, okay, I want you to go hide. God, I thought we were about to just take off. I thought this was the time where I print my business cards and I, 
It's like, no, I, I want you to go hide. He tells him to go hide in a, in a ravine by a brook. And he says, your only interaction for a little while is going to be the ravens that feeds you there, the birds. <laughs> okay. Is there going to be like gold at that brook? Is there going to be like, you know what I mean? We're like, what's, 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 what's going to be there? That's, it's going to be great because, you know, I, I'm so great. <laughs> I need to do great. But more does not always equal meaning. And so he, he tells him to hide. And then, and then the, the brook dries up. And then he tells him to go to a widow's house. And then the word that he prophesied is happening. There is a drought. But he doesn't realize for the next three years of his life, this great prophet would only minister to two people. For three years, this prophet who had stood in the palace and declared, thus says the Lord to the king, seems like he gets demoted to a brook and the house of a widow and her orphan son. For three years, ministering to what most would consider in society at that time the least of society. How many of us are willing to do that. I think we see our lives as this like, we think of glory to glory and strength to strength. We think that God's taking us to a new level. We think that new levels are always more and more and more, but sometimes new levels are more. They're just less of what you thought. It's significant ministry. Elijah doesn't complain at all in the three years that he's only able to minister to this widow and her son. So if we're not careful, we'll try to rush things along. Try to make things happen. Acts 27 and 9 in this story it says much time had been lost. And so they, they decide, hey, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna move ahead. Instead of staying here and taking a break here and letting this thing pass, we need to get ahead of this thing. We've looked at the sky and we've determined that if we don't move now, we'll never be able to move or we'll have to wait another week or we'll have to wait another two weeks or we'll have to wait. Have you ever felt that pressure. Like if I don't move now, then I might miss my moment. And if I miss my moment, it wrecks my whole life. And what if I've already missed my moment? What if my moment has already passed me by and much time had passed? And because much time had passed, they started making bad decisions. Proverbs 14 and 30 says this, it says a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. <laughs> Proverbs 20 and 25 says an impulsive vow is a trap. <laughs> yeah. 
So the Bible says they started making bad decisions and they find themselves not just now in the middle of these high winds. Now they are in the middle of what the Bible calls a hurricane. Hurricane force winds. Throwing now they're now they're throwing everything overboard. They're throwing their provisions, they're throwing their cargo, or they're throwing things off of the ship that they never would have had to lose. Listen to me. There are some things that you've lost that you didn't have to lose, but because you tried to run ahead of God, you lost it. And I want to encourage you today. We talked about a couple of weeks ago, we talked about when we dig, we dig slow. I want to encourage some people today to slow down. And now you're at a point in your life, many of you, where it's like, I don't have enough. It's because you had to throw the cargo off to survive. It's because you had to throw so much off to just make it to another day. And, and now, now when you start to make hasty decisions, and hasty decisions are usually bad decisions, now you're living in, in, in a space where it's like there's just never enough. Right, because you've had to throw so much overboard. Now you live with this life of like, how much sleep did you get last night? Not enough. How much money do you make? Not enough. And there's just, there's just never enough. But I love the apostle Paul in this story. Comes a point when they're throwing stuff overboard and they're losing their minds and they've not listened to the advice of Paul. And Paul goes, hey, listen, things would have been a whole lot smoother and you would have lost a whole lot less if you would have listened to me. But I still have good news. This is, this is why the gospel is so good. It's because even though you and I, we've both gotten in a hurry and we've made bad decisions and we, yes, we have lost some things, but God's grace is so good and his, he is so kind that he didn't, he didn't react to the loss. He saw the loss before it happened. And like Paul said, he's, he's, even though you should have listened to me way back there, I still have a plan for your life. I still have a future for you. You're still going to make it through this thing. Even though you didn't listen to me, I love you so much that I'm going to still make sure you survive this thing that, listen, there's so much in our lives we cannot blame God for. But aren't you thankful? Even the stuff that's our fault, our, our fault, God makes provision for even the things that we mess up. He doesn't look at us and say, you know, if you'd have just listened to me, but now I don't have a plan for you. If you'd have just listened to me, but now you're just gonna die out here in the middle of the ocean. No, Paul stands up and he says, every single person that stays on this ship, we might, it might've been a bad decision to get on this ship, 
but God is going to protect us even though we made a bad decision. How many of you have made some bad decisions in your life? If you don't raise your hand, somebody beside you needs to kick you or something because every person in this room has made a bad decision that should have eliminated us from the purpose and the call of God on our lives. But aren't you thankful when God called me, he didn't call me because I was qualified and he didn't call me because I made all the perfect decisions. He called me because Jesus Christ rescued my life and saved me from my sins and redeemed me from the pit. I'm thankful for the call of God that's still on your life. It's still a, but Robert, you don't understand how mad, how many bad, oh, there's still a call on your life. There's still purpose for your breathing. Ah, so Paul says, hey, we're going to, we're going to make it. Acts 27 <laughs> verses 33 and 34. This is, this is an interesting thing that happens to us though. When we've made some bad decisions and we're suffering sometimes the consequences of our own decisions and the storm is raging in our lives and, and, and Paul says to them something so interesting. Paul goes, Paul goes, you guys need to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you've been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. And they don't turn back to him and go, but Paul, we threw our food overboard. No, they hadn't thrown the food, the bread overboard. They had thrown some of the cargo overboard, but they hadn't thrown the bread overboard. And Paul is like, you're so focused on what could happen with the storm that you're not even eating. And here's what happens to us. Our response to the wind blowing in our life is very often more destructive than the wind blowing in our life. He's like, the thing you thought was going to kill you hasn't killed you, but if you don't eat, you're going to die. Not because the storm is going to kill you, but because you haven't eaten what's in front of you. And for some people, you're so, so focused on the things that you can't do anything about that you don't spend any time working on the things that you have control of in your life. Sometimes people can go through such grief and loss that they stay so focused on the person that they lost that they miss out on the relationships that are still available to them. I've, 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 I've counseled with, with children who, who said, you know, my, my, my parents, they lost, my brother or sister died and they spent the rest of their time so sad about losing him. They never even acted like I was still alive. They forgot about me. And if you're not careful, you'll forget to eat even when food is right in front of you. Because you're so focused. Oh, oh, what's going to happen in the, with the next election? Oh, oh, God, what's going to happen with, with COVID? When's it, you know, you're, just, you're that type of person who's just waiting for another variant to drop. And you're just like, what's going to, God, what's, what's going to happen with my job? And what's going to happen, you know, with, with, oh, $10 gas? Is that even possible? You know, God, what's going to, and you're, you're, you're so focused on stuff you cannot control. And you're not spending any time on the things that you can do something about. That day when that storm hit my house, 
I couldn't do anything about those winds that hit my house, but I could have beforehand prepared my family for a time when wind could hit my house so that we're not running around in a panic, scaring our daughter so bad that she's hiding under the bed. And, and I'm just, I'm, I, what, I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is that the Bible teaches us all through scripture is that when things are peaceful and prosperous, that's not just a time to sit back and enjoy your prosperity. That's a time to prepare for the calamity that's to come. When, when Joseph was running Egypt, the Bible said that God spoke to Joseph through the king and a dream. And he said, there's going to be seven years of prosperity. And then there's going to be seven years of famine. And what did they do during the seven years? of prosperity. They didn't just gather enough for the seven years that they prospered. They gathered enough for the seven years of famine. And I'm just, I came to tell somebody that the gospel, the gospel is so good that it teaches us how to prepare when it's peaceful and how to go to war when it's quiet. The Bible teaches us, Jesus teaches us in the middle of a storm how to sleep in it. The story in the Bible where Jesus and his disciples are in a boat and they're in a storm and the disciples are running around, scared out of their minds, panicking, falling for the lie that the storm tells you that God doesn't care. Their perspective is Jesus is sleeping and because Jesus is sleeping, it must mean that God doesn't care. Jesus finally wakes up after they push him a little bit. The Bible says that he rebukes the storm. Because here's here's the thing about about peace. You, you 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 can only sleep through a storm that you have peace in. Think about this. Jesus is peace, right? So peace is able to sleep through the storm. But when Jesus left, he said, I give you my peace. So Jesus wakes up, calms the storm, but he also rebukes their faith. Listen, listen to me. He answers their prayer, but he rebukes their faith. God isn't interested in a faith that just believes he can calm storms. Because if that was the point, he would have woke up and said, if you do, you, your faith is so little, I'm not doing anything about this storm. But Jesus rebukes the storm and then rebukes their faith. Because the type of faith he was rebuking was a faith that believes that God can calm the storm, but doesn't believe that I can sleep through the storm. See, that's what God is trying, trying to teach us. And so they're out here like running around, does God even care? And this is the lie that the enemy tells you when stuff is going crazy in your life. Does God even care? Because if God cared about you, he would change this. No, sometimes God doesn't change it because he cares about you. He's trying to show you something deeper than him just fixing your circumstances. He's trying to teach you how to sleep in the middle 
Come on. So Paul wakes up in Acts 27. He, he, or he stands up and he says, not one of you are going to lose a single hair, but you need to eat. You've been so focused on the thing you thought was going to hurt you that you started hurting yourself. Jesus teaches us in Matthew that part of our answer to our anxious thoughts about the future is to remain in the present. In Matthew 6, 34, Jesus says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough of its own trouble. The author James Hollis said, he said, when we're focused, when we're faced with a storm, he said, we're forced into a difficult choice. The choice is anxiety or depression. If we move forward as our soul insists, it may be flooded with anxiety. But if we do not move forward, we will suffer the depression, the pressing down of the soul's purpose. In such a difficult choice, one must choose anxiety, for anxiety is at least the path of growth. Depression is a stagnation and a defeat of life. That's why, that's why people say, I suffer with anxiety and depression, because anxiety doesn't come by itself. Anxiety comes bearing gifts. And one of those gifts is depression because anxiety is the thing that keeps you moving forward and you're depressed now because you didn't move forward. So he's saying you have to make the choice that I'm gonna press into my anxiety or I'm not only gonna have anxiety, I'm gonna have depression as well because depression is the stagnation of life. Depression is now I'm depressed because I made a choice to give in to my anxiety and my fear. Acts 27, 43. So the Bible says that they just keep, they keep getting thrown around by this storm. They have no control. They're throwing everything that they can throw over. They have no control. And Paul's like, at some point, we're gonna have to hit something. <laughs> There's gotta be something out here that we can land on. And they're just thrown around and thrown around and thrown around. And at this point, the ship starts to break apart. And they wanted to kill all of the prisoners so they couldn't escape. It's so weird, isn't it? That sometimes Christians get into this position of like, even though your life is falling apart, you still have enough time to try to take other people out. Even though you're going through the same storm and you're trying to survive yourself, you still have enough time to judge other people. I would have figured five global storms happening at the same time would have made the world focus on what we could do about the condition of our own lives, but instead, those five global storms made us focus even more on the condition of the people around us. And we're in the same storm, dying in the same process, but we have all of this time. Isn't it an amazing thing that we suffer from the same things that everybody else suffers with, but we still sometimes find it in our ability to judge other people, to ridicule other people, to call other people out. Even though our kids are messed up, we still have time to judge other people's kids. 
Even though our marriage is suffering, we still have some time to judge somebody else's marriage. Come on, man. You need to focus in this season of getting yourself to safety. (laughs) Centurion wanted to spare Paul's life, the Bible says. So he kept them from carrying out their plan. How in the world are you trying to survive and still planning to hurt other people? This is wild to me. How in the world are you, are you fighting for your marriage, but you still have the time to be petty on social media? How in the world are you fighting to keep your head above water with your bills, but you still have time to judge other people's lifestyle? So the Bible says he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. The Bible says this, verse 44 says, in this way, Everyone reached land safely. I said all I said this morning to get to this. I need to tell somebody in this room today, it's only the ship. It's only the ship. It's not you breaking into pieces. It's the ship. It can feel like you, but it's not you. It's the ship. And God wanted to tell somebody today, prophetically, I'm only allowing it to break to save you. Because if it stayed in the same condition and placement it was in, it would kill you. The ship had to break apart so that everyone could survive. If the ship had stayed together and they had stayed in the ship, they would have died. But the ship broke apart, the Bible says, so that everyone could make it. This happened so that everyone could make it safely. Some of them were able to swim. And I'm grateful for all you swimmers out there. But some of us need a plank. Some of us need that lady to move over and let Leo get up on that piece of board that he clearly could have fit on and not died. Some of us need the plank. I'm grateful for all of you Michael Phelps out there. You're awesome. You're powerful. You know, even when the ship's going down, you're still prophesying. But some of us are freaking out, grabbing a hold of whatever we can find. And I'm thankful today that when I felt the cracking of stuff around me and the breaking around me, it wasn't me breaking, but it was God breaking that ship up so that I could have something to hang on to so that I could get to a place of safety. Oh, I'm thankful that the body of Jesus was broken so that I could hang on. 
I'm thankful that God didn't stay together on his throne, but he came to earth. Heaven came down to earth and Jesus' body was... Bro, he was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him, and by his stripes I am healed. It's the broken body of Jesus that got me to safety. And I came here this morning to give God the praise because if it wasn't for his broken body, I would have drowned in my bad decisions. Somebody needs to give God some praise right now. We thank you, Jesus. Oh, if it wasn't for your body that was broken, we would have drowned in our bad decisions. You stay on your feet this morning. If you're not standing, please stand with me. Some things God allows to fall apart to save you. The breaking of a relationship doesn't have to be the breaking of you. The noise you're hearing, it's not you breaking, it's the ship. Some people are so concerned, and I am too, with where our nation is headed. And I hear the breaking all around me. Some of the things that were so foundational to us as people, some things that we could just agree on so easily conclusions we could come to so easily as a people now we don't even know what's up is up what's down is we don't even know the bible the bible says that in the last days people are going to come along and and whatever's evil they're going to call that good and whatever's i feel like i'm living in an upside down world i feel like i feel like i'm living in that that weird the space in stranger things tv show the upside down play like i just it's like it doesn't make any sense and i can hear foundations cracking all around me but even though i hear those things cracking it's not me it's the ship not me. You don't have to break. Just because it's breaking doesn't mean you have to break. Don't embrace the lie. It tells you because of what's happening around you, you have to, uh, you need to run a little faster. You need to move a little quicker. You need to, you need to hurry. You, you know, Jesus is coming back. You better get married or you're never getting married. You remember that? You remember that thought? Like, God, would you please at least wait until the wedding night? <laughs> some of y'all never prayed that prayer, but some of y'all didn't, you didn't grow up in holiness. You didn't grow up <laughs> with purity rings and I kiss dating goodbye. You didn't grow up with all that, so you didn't care if, for some of us, we're like, Jesus, please. (laughs) Oh, man. So we run in, and with haste, we, we feel so rushed. And in a world that's constantly changing, with a speed that is moving at a pace that can almost break your neck, give you whiplash and confuse you. You can feel like you have to keep up 
with all of it. Don't give in to that pressure. Do what Proverbs said. If you want to last, Proverbs doesn't say, hey, if you want to last, you got to rush through life. Proverbs 14 and 30 says, a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. Paul, multiple times in that situation in Acts 27, he's like, guys, don't jump out yet. Just, just give it a little bit. Hey, 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 don't, don't, don't sneak away in that little bitty boat. If you think that the wind is destroying this big giant vessel, what do you think it's going to do to that little bitty? Get back in here. Let that thing go. I came to tell you this morning, you don't have to rush. What about missed opportunities? Oh, that's, that's the good news about the God you serve. If there's years that the Bible says the locust, the canker worm have eaten away from your life, it says you serve a God who can restore the years. You're like, oh, you only get one life, YOLO. You only get one chance. You can't get any time back. That's not what the Bible says. God can restore time. I don't know how he does it, but I just, I think we overestimate what we can do in five minutes and underestimate what God can do over 10 years. Oh man, I got it. No. Uh, let God. But I didn't. Uh, let God. But you don't understand, Rob. I got it. I'm, I'm in. No, you don't. But, but I'm behind people. Why are you, who are you performing for? Jesus already performed for you. Like your performance means nothing to God. Your, your fast pace, your accumulation of things, your, that's not impressive to God at all. Who are you living for? If you're living for others, yeah, you're gonna have to break your neck and get it done and grind and kill it. But if you're living for God, you can be like, yeah, I know it's crazy out there, but I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let that crazy get in, get in here. And I'm going to keep moving at the pace that God has graced my life for. And I'm not going to try to catch up with anybody because I don't need to catch up with anybody. I don't have to, I don't have to impress anybody. When God looks at me, he sees his son and he's as happy with me as he could possibly be. So I'm content. Father, we thank you. We thank you. You're so kind to us that even though every one of us in this room have gotten in a rush, we've made some bad decisions. you made a way for us to make it through safely anyway.
But I want to encourage people today as well. Just because God's grace is there, don't abuse that. Don't abuse that. There's some things that they threw overboard that they never got back. Maybe some of them were traveling with things that were very valuable to them personally, family items, things that meant a lot to them. And they never got those things back. Oh, they didn't lose their purpose, but they lost some things that they didn't have to lose. And I want to challenge people today that if you're feeling the pressure to rush, take a moment, slow down, rest. Jesus said, hey, is there anybody in here who's heavy with burdens and overwhelmed by restrictions and overwhelmed by the rules of society and the conditions of men. Anybody feel overwhelmed by that? Anybody in here feel overwhelmed by the rat race that can be the job you have and the performance and the mode you get into so that you have to, you get a promotion and you you get a you get a pay increase and the, the way the world makes you feel. Anybody tired of that? Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You got enough trouble in your life to make your religious life full of burdens and restrictions and rules and regulations and guidelines and form and religion. There's enough going on in the world to make you heavy. Don't bring that heaviness into your relationship with me. I don't operate the same way. Promotion in, in, in me is not based on your performance. It's based on the performance of my son who was perfect in my sight. Elevation when it comes to me isn't based on your performance. It's based on my son. It's based on my choice. Look who I chose in the Bible. Some of the most uneducated, some of the most unlearned, some of the most unqualified people you could ever meet. I don't operate the world the way the world does. I don't ask for your resume. Your resume won't help you when it comes to my purpose. Your background won't help you when it comes to my purpose. Your experience doesn't change me when it comes to my purpose. Just come. I'll give you rest. Jesus, we thank you for rest today. In your name we pray. And everyone in the room said amen if you can. Hey, listen, if you're here today and you say, Robert, I need to pray with somebody. I need to talk to somebody. I'm overwhelmed. And I need somebody to pray with me. Well, God is so good that he's made a way for that. We have an incredible prayer team who would love to meet you 
and pray with you. And if you're here today, you say, Rob, I need to make a decision about Jesus today. I'm lost in my sins or I feel shame and condemnation. I feel guilt. I feel away from God and I need to draw near to God today. If that's you, we, we would love to pray with you. And uh, we're so grateful you came today. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here. God bless you. We'll see you soon.